Hello and welcome to another episode of Shh, Don't Tell My Mom. My name is Alexander Scatino. I'm the director and host of this show. And joining me tonight is uh, Fox. Fox, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, my name's Fox. Um, I'm a kink, poly, and uh, sexual educator. Um, I write a blog to do with pretty much everything surrounding about that to do with dating, um, different types of sexual intercourse um, and just how to get started of things that you might not be sure about. And I also have a shop for smaller kink items um, such as collars, which is this one here, and I also have some um, badges and they're all related to positivity surrounding kink, sexuality um, and BDSM and things like that. Awesome. And where are you located? Uh, I'm located in a, a very small country town um, called Broadford, which is about an hour and 15 minutes north of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. Now, is there a scene there? Is there a large scene there? In Broadford? No. <laughs> uh, in Australia, absolutely. In Melbourne, very much so. Uh, Melbourne has a very large scene um, for both kink and polyamory and alternate, alternative lifestyles in general. Um, there's many groups that I'm a part of there um, and frequent meetups and things like that and events. Um, obviously not at the moment with COVID, but we are starting to move forward to start being able to plan some smaller events. So there are some dinners and things like that that are coming up. Sweet. And uh, have you been able to stay in contact with your communities during this time? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my friends for polyamory specifically um, actually has a dating app, um, which you can use to communicate with people in the scene. Um, and the polyamory scene in particular is very close friendship wise. Um, so I'm friends with all the people that I've been in the part of the group of for nearly five years now. Um, and for people in the polyamory scene, there's very much a, there's like a Venn diagram of kink and poly. And the middle section is quite large. <laughs> so there are definitely people who are into kink who are polyamorous as well. Um, for me, I think it's to do with just being open-minded um, and not limiting yourself to different kinds of sexual pleasure and things like that. Um, so there's very much an overlap between those communities. Um, and I think that's how we stay in touch as well, because I think as soon as you're open-minded, um, then people will basically come together and you're stuck with them for the rest of your life. Because <laughs> we're all so accepting. So they yeah, become yeah. friends very quickly and they stick around. That's wonderful. I'm glad you uh, have your scene and have the ability <laughs> have a lot of support inside of your inside of your sphere inside of uh, your relationships created through polyamory and then and from that other kink in other groups um, yeah now with support I, I know you, you we were talking before that you are someone who provides a lot of support in these groups uh, what role were you in again with this you were saying something about uh, this polyamory group that you 
yeah, so my friend runs a group called Polyfinder. Um, they also have a dating app for that, um, which is live in America as well. Um, so it has expanded that far as well. Um, so what I do with these groups, I have the term poly ambassador, um, which is a loose, loose term, but basically what it means is when I go to events, I go to most events, um, I work on the door. Um, and the main thing I do is I'll walk around the events all night and if I see people who are sitting by themselves, anyone who looks a little bit nervous, like there might be a couple in the corner that are looking a little bit scared, um, that I'll make an effort to go and approach them and say, my name is Fox. Um, if there's anything that you are scared to ask or you want to know but you are unsure of who to ask, you can ask me literally anything. I'll answer your questions and point you in the right direction of what you want to do and it will also help you find out whether this is the right place for you um and if it isn't which is perfectly fine um then i can point you in the directions of other groups which might be better suited to you so if they were um at a polyamory meet but they are more on the swinging scene um then i have friends and connections that i can push them in that direction a bit more yeah, that's great. I, I like the, the focus on relationships that you have. You seem to be a knowledgeable person in relationships. Do you have any like top questions that are asked you at these events? Things that come to your mind right now that, um, that might be something that would give value for, for the viewers watching us? Um, I suppose a, lo uh, a lot of people have a slight misunderstanding of what polyamory really is um so polyamory doesn't actually have anything to do with sex it doesn't have anything to do with group sex or anything like that um i have an, a partner we're polyamorous and he is asexual and a classified as non-binary but you can but uses the terms he and him um and we don't have sex at all and we're polyamorous it's still a polyamorous relationship because I love him and we also see other people whom we love. It's all to do with love. Polyamory is multiple love. So when people, sometimes people come to events and be like, oh, you know, are you having sex with multiple people? And they go, well, most people here probably are. But that's not the rule. It's, it's, not, some, it's not what defines anything to do with this scene. Um, it's to do with love, relationships and connections. You can still be polyamorous and have an open relationship um, and have um, like play partners, which you're not in a serious relationship with. What makes it um, polyamory is being able to be open. A better term would be ethical non-monogamy. Um, what makes it open is the understanding and communication. So everyone involved knows what's happening. And it's, so it's not like um, some people in the swinging scene, for example, they have a don't ask, don't tell rule. That's not polyamory. <laughs> um, so basically the main questions are to do with, I get a lot uh, sexual questions um, and they're not actually related to polyamory at all. Um, I still answer those questions because I, as a sexual educator as well, um, there are definitely people who um, 
do gangbangs, who have threesomes, who whatever. But that's a kink aside from polyamory. That's not their dating lifestyle choice. That's their kink choice. That's their other activities, extracurricular activities. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the clarity. I didn't really. I didn't uh, grasp the information until you told me. So thank you so much for providing that. Sorry, it's a common question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I can I can tell it would be a question that I would ask if I was there. Thank you. Thank you for the clarity on that. Um, and it is interesting that uh, people often come in with preconceived notions of what's going on, especially in like the BDSM and alternative relationship um, scene because there is so much ignorance to what's going, what's actually going on. And uh, I think that's why I really do enjoy uh, talking to practitioners and, and masters in these fields to get that perspective. And there is uh, a lot of deep knowledge that goes into like thinking about these relationships. Um, yeah. Do you have any sort of personal philosophy that you use when you are engaging in these activities that are non-main, like non-mainstream activities? Something that uh, provides you with with support, not just from like another person, but from literature or or things that you've made up for yourself. Um. Something that I would live by is to basically try your hardest to live in a way that actively gets in the way of causing other people physical or mental harm. And when I'm talking about physical or mental harm, I don't mean a bit of bruising from spanking or anything like that. I'm talking about more uh, permanent harm. So acting in a way that in your mind you are always stopping yourself from getting into situations where that might happen because very often things like these can happen by accident just because we're not thinking about it too much so things like if you're doing kink and you're not doing the right aftercare so before even starting kink a way that you can stop that situation from occurring is going through your aftercare plan with the person first so you're acting in a way that actively stops or limits that experience from occurring okay yeah uh, that's some awesome insight that you have on, on providing that care and it's something that I, I can work on more and I feel like most people can work on more is that uh, attention to detail and it's just talking. <laughs> People forget that bit. They get a bit caught up in the physical aspect and they get a bit excited. Um, on my blog, I have um, a form uh, which is free to download for everybody. And what it is is a scene negotiation form. So basically you go through circle tick boxes and of what you're happy with, what you're not happy with, what kind of aftercare that you need and check-ins after aftercare. So if you needed to check in after 15, 30 minutes the next day, that kind of thing. Um, 
And so something like that still takes people who aren't as used to performing kink uh, and receiving kink. Um, people who are more um, experienced in the scene already have those things down pat. So it's, it's more for the beginner type people because everyone has their own way of doing it once they've developed their own kinks um, to the point where when they go out and meet somebody, they're already having that discussion before they even bring that person home. But for new people, um, this kind of thing is really good because if you're nervous about having that discussion using the words that can make you feel a little bit embarrassed, all you have to do is basically send them this form and they can fill it out and then you have all the information right there because there still is that um, embarrassment that a lot of people feel uh, when using particular words and things like that, which is just a social um, barrier, I suppose. Um, Subculture. Yeah. It's a taboo. It's easy to get out of, but if, if you are like that, then you need a way around it for things like kink because the communication and being really clear is super important. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for pro providing that perspective. And uh, what's your, what, how would I find your blog? Um, so my blog um, is www.fox-hacks, so H-A-C-K-S.com. Great. And uh, you, you also said that you have an Etsy and that you are creating uh, products for the scene. Could you speak more into that process? Um, sure. <laughs> well, I'm, because it's COVID as well, uh, I was looking into it beforehand, um, but I was still working. I lost my job to COVID, which most of us have, so we don't even have to speak much about that because ev everyone's pretty much in the same boat right now. Um, and there's something I've always been interested in. I started off with badges and things like that. Um, so there's different little badges and I got a big badge maker, which is super awesome to use. And it's like really like cathartic because when you're making badges, you've got this like massive handle that you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm a very crafty person and I've done, um, artwork and paintings and stuff over the years. I'm always creating stuff for my family. I now have four nieces with another niece or nephew on the way. So I'm always creating things, knitting things and things like that. I grew up with ADHD. The first thing that my mum taught me how to deal with that because she used to get really annoyed about my fidgeting on the couch when we're watching TV was how to knit. So the, the way that that I was able to deal with my ADHD and things like that was to have something else in my hands, which completely stopped any other fidgeting and things like that. Obviously people with ADHD are on the spectrum. So there's some people that that's not going to work for, but it is a really good way to combat that. So I've always been creating things um, with a lot of support from family and things like that. Uh, it's also a super validating thing to do. Um, and then I've been a part of the kink and poly community for five years now. I'm 25 this year. I think it's so maybe I was 18. 
<laughs> when I first started learning more about it. I grew up in country towns. So I knew nothing besides the fact that I liked everybody as opposed to just male or female. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I started making different things. I did paintings for one of my friends who's a sex worker. So I've done paintings that are up in Brussels around Melbourne. Okay. <laughs> and so I started getting into the kink things there. And then these holidays, my partner bought me a sewing machine. And then I was like, awesome, I've got this sewing machine. I can make stuff. And the first thing that I thought of making was kink related things because that's my life. <laughs> So now I make things like these collars. So this is one that I've made myself. Um, I have heaps of collars. I just keep making them. So even if you don't buy them, I'm going to keep making them. Because uh-huh. so, <laughs> it, it's something for me to do as well and keep me occupied and sane during this current time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I make badges, collars. I've started looking into like adult bibs, like for little play. Um which has been fun to do. I actually think I have one here. Isn't it the cutest? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it's mainly to keep myself occupied. And as I make things, I just put them on the shop because otherwise I have a lot of things around me that I don't need. <laughs> Yeah. And I just keep churning them out. Yeah, when I create things, that's why I'm going more and more digital. Yeah, if I yeah. want if I wanna lighten the load, I have to do that, create some way on the on the computer because it keeps everything nice and compact and small. But I still have something I started doing in the last few days is basically turning nudes into artwork. <laughs> Or like on my iPad, uh, uh, using Procreate. So I'm turning them into a kind of like manga theme um, artwork, which I'm really enjoying. <laughs> yes. And it also looks really cool. Because when you like see us, when you take a nude with somebody or it's something like that, um, which I don't condone for people in general. Mm-hmm. Try to do it with partners and people you know. Um. But when you like draw yourself and you smooth it all out and you look at yourself and you're like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So that was that's a very validating experience as well. Yeah, it sounds like you have like a new service that you can start uh, advertising is, is turn those nudes into. Uh, yes, yeah. send me your nudes. <laughs> send me your nudes. Dot com. <laughs> It's all in good taste. It's all in good taste. Come to me first. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Smooth out all your lines. Um, well, good. I'm glad you're you're having fun and you're creating in this time. Um, I know when I create that sometimes I get into that flow state where I stop thinking about time and, and really get into those projects where I, I lose touch with time. Do you have those sort of experiences? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have no idea what day it is. The only reason I know what day it is today is because you're calling me. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'm just doing stuff all the time to get through. I have long-term health issues. 
And so I've been waiting to get into specialists because obviously no one's really working and they're a bit scared to see patients at the moment. Um, so to help me get through to that date, I've been completely distracting myself and absorbing myself in my arts and craft, um, which is really helpful. And also if you do have long-term health issues, when you make something and you have the finished result in front of you, it's very validating because obviously long-term issues can make your brain a little bit low on a regular basis. And so creating things and having something finish pretty in front of you, um, it gives you that boost. Say, oh, I created this. My bo- This is something my body can do. And it helps you just get through a little bit more. That's, uh, that's inspiring. And I'm sure there are people out there currently that are searching for the thing to do to get them through hard times and hard body times. Um, Physically or mentally, it it doesn't matter. The validation, validation is validation. Yeah, nice, lovely. Um, So switching gears on a question that I I personally enjoy is um, the question of, a first experience where you started to see these um, started to see sex as a thing or like uh, creating that attraction uh, when you were young and maybe that attraction started coming up with a certain piece of media or content or a book that you read a song that you heard a character that you saw on TV do you remember any of those experiences where you're like can see, I can see this happening. Me and the cartoon <laughs> character. This is perfect. Mine's it. kind of humorous. Yeah, yeah. And no. it, and it totally explains why my parents already knew that I wasn't straight. It's because I kind of jumped in to <laughs> sexual things straight away um, when I started going through puberty. I was young. Um, Uh, my first attractions were female attractions, but I think that was to do with uh, females around me were developed before the males, that kind of thing. So the sexual characteristics of females came in first and they were just the first thing that I noticed. Um, And so I did a lot of research on my own on the internet because that is, I'm 25 this year, that's, that's the age I grew up in. (laughs) Um, and a website that I used to watch which is quite humorous and totally makes sense looking back on it is welivetogether.com and it's it's all lesbian videos and they're totally unbelievable like I looked them up recently and I was just laughing because they're all dressed in like candy colours and like roller skates with you know the, the high knee socks with all like the bright pink and all their lingerie is bright pink and whatever and if you watch their sexual acts like there's no way that's pleasurable pleasurable it's just totally visual so it's just these lesbians that lived in a house together that used to just like pick up chicks on the street which obviously was not what actually they were doing so it'd be like (laughs) so it'd be like softball games and they're all in the tiny shorts and they're all just like brightly colored so for 
someone who's starting to develop into a more sexual being, but generally you're still a child. Uh, it totally makes sense why that was what I went for because it's so pretty. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's great to see the variations between people, like what was their first thing that they remember and it, it um, what was it, we lived together? Dot com. Like, yeah, I don't even know if it, it's still around, but that that was <laughs> that was what it was. It was bright colors, uh, bright colors, candy colors. You know, li li it's like lipstick lesbian porn. But, but if you actually know what lesbian sex is like, you're watching and be like, how? <laughs> how does that feel good? <laughs> It's for like, you know, like men to watch. Like, oh yeah, that's exactly what they want. Yeah, it's like when you watch people do cunnilingus in porn and you're like, they're not, they're barely touching it. <laughs> I remember in college doing some research on cunnilingus and got the, if you ever heard of this, it's like uh, how to eat a pussy out like a champ. Like Ron, it was like Ron Jeremy and like these two other people and they and it was very educational. I would I would recommend it to anyone who could find it. But it was totally not Ron Jeremy though, like that is bitter and stuff. That was very yeah, they were like <laughs> I would actually trust that a lot more than anything else. Oh yeah, they will they were making fun of it. It's like this they would do it. They would be like this right here, this is nothing, this is just for porn, like they were porn stars doing yes. it. There was a guy who was like super well read, and then there was a woman who was a sex um, coach or something, and then they had Ron Jeremy at the end, and he was totally the worst out of the three, but he was there. And it was, <laughs> it was, you know, at, at that point, it was like kind of cute. It was just like, oh, Ron, yeah. thanks. <laughs> thanks, <for laughs> thanks Ron. Yeah, thanks, Ron, yeah. So if anyone wanted to look up uh, how to eat a pussy out like a champ, um, <laughs> it's like a thing in my life. From the That's internet. Was uh, we're we're in this together. Was that Australian or was that American? Like, do you remember? Oh, it would have been American because like softball and things like that, like, are not a thing here. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was like hoping. I was kind of envisioning visualizing these Australian people doing that, and people in America going like, "That's exactly what they must be doing in Australia. They're picking people up at soccer games." <laughs> <laughs> No, it was, it's, it was very, very US, uh, very like Beverly Hills type girls. So, and, and then in your development, you're saying that, that that really led you down that that path that brought you to where you are now, which is this open-minded, uh, authentic person who's contributing to other people's development and growth in this field. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to bring up or talk about before we conclude this first um, taping? Um, I think the main part of kink that people really aren't good about is communication. Uh, when you're getting into kink, you really need to practice talking and communicating um, and make sure that you get most of 
the most out of the experience for yourself, not just for the other person. Unless you are completely masochistic and you're totally there for the other person, which makes sense. Um, but make sure that you're getting something out of it. You're not just doing it for the other person. Um, because if you do something like that, because your brain can trick you into thinking that you're being harmed, the drops after kink can be quite more extreme if you're not getting enough out of it for yourself. So if you're just doing it for the other person, afterwards it's very likely you'll feel used and it makes the drop a lot harder, even if it's all totally consensual. So it's really important to try and get the most out of it for yourself, not just for the other person. Well, thank you for those um, closing words. Do you want to, uh, once again, tell people where they can find your work and uh, then I'll conclude the episode. Uh, no worries. So my website, which is my blog, is foxhacks.com. So www.fox-hacks.com. Uh, you can also find a link to my shop on there. There is a tab on my website, which will link you through to my Etsy shop, which is called Fox Hacks without the hyphen. Um, so you'll find all those links within that website. This afternoon, there is a blog post coming out on pegging and anal sex. So if you want to, for beginners, if you don't know where to start with that, then that will be the place to go. I give you step-by-step -step instructions, including a list of what you will need. Oh yeah, this is the stuff that I need. I need to know more. I need to be the most educated person I can be to support myself and everyone I come in contact with. Anyways, uh, my name is Alexander Scatino. I am the director of islandoftaboo.com and this was Shh, Don't Tell My Mom. Guys, uh, have a great day, have fun, and uh, be well out there. Thank you so much. <laughs>